everyone and welcome to episode four of my podcast. So this week's a little different. I sit down and catch up with Chef Michelle Fox. We discuss the importance of nutrition. Michelle talks about her journey with food, about how she was a chef in restaurants and then she moved over to the regenerative farming circle of life. And she's got some great tips for growing your own vegetables, seasonal nutrition and regenerative farming. Hope you enjoy the episode, guys. Bye. Hey, how's it going, Jess? Thank you. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for agreeing to come on. I thought it would be really good to have you on and um, discuss basically who you are, what it is you do. And um, I think that what you do and what you stand for would be really helpful for the people that follow my page and the people that are sort of into their fitness but might not necessarily understand the nutritional side of fitness. So let's start uh, a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Brazil um, and I've been in the United States for 19 years now. Um, I am a chef and also a farmer. So I'm able to see the food source of everything from beginning to end and, you know, its value chain and understand where the problem lies and um, try to go out in the world and, and try to change it. That's really cool to know that you're from Brazil, firstly. That's one of like my go-to places when we're allowed to after COVID. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, how did you get into sort of what you do at the moment then? When did it start? Yeah, I've been cooking my whole life. Uh, my grandmother taught me how to cook, I think, when I was about eight years old. Um, that was, you know, part of the training to become a perfect wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, which uh, I kind of rebelled against it, became a skateboarder and a chef instead. Um, I'm one of the first girls. Um, and so, oh, cool. yeah, and so, you know, I, I've met a, a, a fellow skateboarder. Um, I was consulting for the World Cup of Skateboarding and um, ended up moving to California, made a baby, which is, his name is Julian, and he's now 18 years old. So he's not a baby anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I did a lot of skateboarding events. Of I had my own skateboarding event company in Rio de Janeiro before I came, which I started when I was 19 years old, doing skateboarding events in the Chin Towns of Brazil. And uh, yeah, it's a crazy story, maybe for another podcast. But um, (laughs) (laughs) and then, you know, I fell in love with a fellow skateboarder, moved to California, um, (laughs) then ended up moving to Hawaii, uh, cooking there got divorced, moved to San Francisco and kind of climbed the ropes up there, helped open a couple of restaurants and, uh, you know, kind of climb, climb up to the top in the kitchen. And uh, one day realized that I was, really wasn't into the way the food industry was going, um, the hamster wheel, um, you know, cooking with lots of butter and kind of making people not feel so great after they ate. Um, and so I decided to move to, uh, Humboldt, which is Northern California, then met my new husband. Uh, and then we decided to move, um, back to Washington or for him back to Washington state, um, where we have 90 acres to take care of my father-in-law. And so, 
here I am. And so when I got back here, I started kind of working on who I wanted to be and how I wanted to help, you know, the world. And then COVID hit and uh, I understood, you know, the food system broke and I understood uh, my place in the world, which is, you know, as a chef and a regenerative farmer, I want to spread, um, the seed of, you know, seasonal cooking, cooking, you know, cooking with the seasons, um, yeah. respecting the farmer and understanding the farmer um, and, and understanding that, you know, our farmers are dying because they're getting old and their children don't want to be a farmer because it's a really hard life um, mm. that doesn't pay out very well. Um, and so I also understood, you know, that women have been farmers for the very from the very beginning, but they're never you know, nobody talks about a woman farmer. They always talk about, you know, Bob the farmer or whatever. Um, so I wanted to highlight women as much as I could. Um, yeah, so I, I became a, a certified Korean natural farming KNF uh, practice um, teacher, uh, which literally is kind of harnessing the power of, you know, the way nature kind of reproduce itself and kind of reproducing it um, ourselves uh, without, you know, the need of uh, pesticides, herbicides, uh, plastic bottles full of food um, for the plants. I kind of make my own with brown sugar and other um, ingredients. Um, yeah. So here I am today. Wow. That sounds like a really, really interesting journey that you've been on. And for you to be able to sort of be in sort of the restaurant industry and realize for yourself that you don't necessarily agree with, like you said, the hamster wheel um, and then moving away from that and understanding the importance of sort of regenerative farming and understanding how difficult it is for farmers and for you to be able to go that, go through that yourself and actually come out of it and become a teacher for that. That's actually a really inspiring story from my, my culture. I'm, I'm Punjabi and, um, a lot of my culture is based around sort of back home in India, based around sort of farming and everything. And at the moment, there's there's a lot of I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot of uh, farmers protests and stuff going on in India as yes. well. Um, so this is quite yeah, this is quite close to my heart. And it's really nice to know that it's not just sort of in certain in certain countries for, for there to be regenerative farming happening in the States. It's not necessarily spoken about enough. Would you right. agree with that? 100%. Um, also, what's not spoken enough about, you know, when people start talking permaculture and regenerative farming, they always say like, oh, yeah, like we need to teach the farmers. Let me put something straight here for the listener. Every small to medium farmer already practice regenerative farming. We don't have the money to buy giant columbines, to buy airplanes. They're going to drop pesticides from the air. So all we can do is to, you know, practice regenerative farming, which means to make sure that the soil is alive. When the mm. soil is dead, um, that's when the bugs take over. That's where, you know, quantity and quality goes away. And that's when you start putting, you know, Roundup and all that kind of stuff in it. It's because you're not paying attention um, on the soil in, in nature. Yeah. Yeah. So... What, one thing that would be good, actually, Michelle, um, for my listeners, so people might not necessarily understand what the idea of regenerative farming is. Um, obviously, you've touched on it a bit there, but if we were to explain it, say, to a five-year-old, how would you explain it? 
Yeah, so I would explain it to I, I have an eight year old stepdaughter. So oh, there you go. How I, yeah, so how I would explain to her is that everything comes and goes. You know, uh, in Brazil, we like to say one hand washes the other. You can't wash your hands with just one hand. So, you know, we have to have that symbiotic relationship with the earth. So, knowing about companion planting, like for example, um, you know, tomatoes. Uh, will have powdered mildew. They have uh, a tendency of powdered mildew. But then you can grow corn next to it, which um, produces um, acid that powdered mildew doesn't like. And then you plant something that takes nitrogen out, but then you plant something right next to it that brings nitrogen, nitrogen in. And that's <laughs> why, too, is extremely important to... Um, you know, add your animals into your regenerative practices because, you know, sorry, my English, their poop, um, it's something that kind of procreate microorganisms in the soil. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then also, you know, having a pond, if you, if you, if you can't afford to have a little pond, having a pond um, and creating algae, you can use that water to feed your plants. So then you get all that you know, microorganisms from the algae back into your plants, um, you know, using the sun, because a lot of people like to grow things with lights. Well, guess what? The sun is our best source, um, yeah. you know, so kind of just like paying attention in nature and allowing nature to, to procreate the way it does in a forest. Like if you look at a forest, um, you don't have a human out there, you know, sprinkling food, right? The forest mm -hmm. does it on itself with um, fermentation and petrification, which is rotten. Um, mm -hmm. And then that way, the soil kind of, kind of all those juices leach down and, and all the plants get to use that as, um, you know, as food for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important just to stress that is, like you said, the sun is a great source. Nature is the best source. And I think that's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the whole point of the regenerative farming, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's really, yeah. And I think, I think it's so, especially in sort of the USA and the UK, it's not necessarily understood and known. So it's really important to talk about it and spread the message, I think. And yes. um, so talk to me a bit about that then. Yeah. So, you know, nature is extremely smart. Uh, much smarter than we are. And so what grows in the summer grows in the summer because that's what humans need to mm. support themselves in the summer. You know, like in the winter, all the dark leaf greens grow. Why? Yeah. Because that's what we need at the time. You know, vitamin K, vitamin C and all that. So, you know, when we started eating with the seasons, number one, we're getting all that nutrients that the, you know, nature already is providing you with. Number two, when you're eating, I, like, I love to use this example, when you're eating raspberries, for example, in the winter, what, does, what that means is that there was a truck that came for most likely Peru or somewhere down there uh, because the opposite of the seasons, right? They come mm -hmm. on a truck um, for, you know, at least three, 4,000 miles. They, they left the vine while it was still green. Right. And so they get sprayed with uh, methylene gas and uh, they become red and then you eat it, which literally it becomes an empty calorie that you're eating. There's no nutrition um, available there, which then makes us eat more. 
So sometimes people say like, hey, I just can't afford to eat organic. Um, that's why I eat fast food. I have no time. I have no money. Well, guess what? Your body expels those types of food instantly, maybe within the hour. And then you're hungry again. And then you have to eat again. You know, yeah, therefore, yeah. you're eating all these empty calories, you're getting no nutrition, and you're paying, end up paying more because you eat, you have to eat more often and literally, you know, dumping money in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so, it's so true. Like, if you want, you're not going to get a mango when it's, at, when it's an, not in season, right? Um, right? And if you do, by the time you, by, like you said, by the time it gets to you, it's worthless because there's no nutritional value in it. So absolutely, exactly. that it, it makes sense. I suppose that ties to sort of the idea of being being localized when you shop for food, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. And I like to give a little tip, you know, at least for American listeners. I'm not sure if that happens in the UK also, but um, when you go to the grocery store and each fruit and vegetable have that little annoying sticker on it, um, you know, on each and by law here in America, it has to say where it comes from. So if it says USA, you're pretty cover. If it says Peru, Chile, Brazil, you know, China or whatever, try to start imagining how far that produce took to travel to get to your mouth. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And we we have the same, by the way, we have the same labels in the UK. Oh, nice. well. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and it yeah, because of, yeah. you know, the, the carbon and all that, but also horrible for ourselves because we're spending that hard earned money on a banana that literally is empty of, of mm. nutrition and vitamins. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I think um, a lot of people don't necessarily understand that by the time you're eating this banana or, or whatever it is you're eating, um, there's nothing in it. There's no nutritional value in it. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that um, because it's never spoken about, is it? Well, yeah, they don't want to talk about it because then it kind of breaks the system, right? So yeah. this has been happening for 70 years um, since industrialization started and the refrigerated truck was created, you know? Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is, you know, we don't call it the market anymore. We call it a supermarket. Right. So the supermarket is where everything comes from all over the world. You can have a raspberry or a banana or, you know, a tomato um, 365 days a year, no matter where it's coming from. But is it necessarily doing any good for you? Probably mm. not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, that's interesting, actually, um, because, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily understand that point either, actually, Michelle, that by the time it gets to you, it's. It's kind of empty calories. It's really good. It's really interesting to talk about that. Um, what would you say then to to someone that's sort of new to understanding food and nutrition? What what tips would you give them? I would say, you know, connect with your farmer. There's yeah. always a farmer next to you, even if you live in New York or London. How close is how close is the closest farmer? And, you know, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Google. I mean, these days, information is at the tip of your fingers. Um, just find out where your farmer is and figure it out. Do they have an Instagram, a Facebook and start following them? If not, go visit the farm. Um, you can also just type on the, old, the good old Google. What's in season today in mm. my area? 
and try to eat with those, you know, uh, with that in mind. Another thing that's really important there um, to talk about is preservation, food preservation. Mm. So, you know, for example, and it's really not that difficult. For example, you love salsa and you love tomato sauce, right? There's a time of the year most likely the summer, where you can go to a, a farmer's market um, and tomatoes are cheap. They just got out of the vine. They are delicious. Cook big batches of salsa and tomato sauce um, mm. and then search online how to can, to do canning, which is very easy. You use um, a mason jar and you literally are boiling to, to make pressure. And once that pressure happens, um, you can save that on your cupboard. Uh, you don't need the refrigeration and it will last years after that. So when the winter comes along, you know, at my house, that's what we do. Uh, when the winter comes along, I just open my pantry that's under my stairs and uh, be like, hmm, today we're going to make some pasta sauce. Okay, let's get a jar of pasta sauce that was made from fresh tomatoes when it was in season. So preservation is extremely important if we want to eat with the seasons. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that because you, then you can, like you said, then you can bulk make sort of the sauces or whatever, and put can them, and then they'll last for so many years and so many years. We uh, we practice that at home actually, um, and yeah, and then you're you're kind of set, aren't you? Um, yeah, until, yeah. Until whatever it is is back in season. So yeah, that's a really really yeah, good like challenge. Exactly. Like imagine corn, for example, I was actually talking about that yesterday with my husband. Imagine corn. You have all that beautiful corn that's just coming out crisp, delicious. Throw like 10, 15 corns on the barbecue. Mm. Right. I would soak it in water first. That's a really good trick about corn in a barbecue. Uh, because then it's steam itself, uh, soak in water, throw it in the barbecue, cook it, and then you cut off all the kernels off and then put it in a bag and freeze it. Now, yeah. the difference between that corn and a can of corn, I mean, don't get me started. It's like one to a hundred. Yeah. You know, um, I have a dehydrator here um, that's actually 40 years old. Um, and we my my mother-in-law got it already used back then. And um, it runs for three months straight. I dehydrate peaches straight from the tree, cherries, tomatoes, um, herbs, and all, all that you can think of. That thing goes for about three or four months nonstop. Um, and then, you know, it's it's right before Christmas where like the kids are like, Oh, I wish we had some peaches. I'm like, hold on. I'll be right back. And then mm -hmm. I bring a big old Mason jar of dehydrated peaches and they love it, you know? So they're mm -hmm. eating all that goodness that happened once it just came out of the, the tree. They're being able to eat that in the winter also. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a, that's a really uh, important point as well, because yeah, we, we talked earlier about sort of seasonal, seasonal food and seasonal um cooking and stuff but if we're practicing preservation then we can have a mango when it's christmas time right exactly exactly yeah yeah, yeah that's really good one one thing that um that does sort of like raise a red flag for me and maybe a lot of my listeners is if we are so i am um, a little bit about me i use i'm just outside of london now um, but I've also lived in New York as well. 
So mm-hmm. one of the things um, that you mentioned earlier is maybe if you're in a in a city like London or New York, then you could Google where your nearest farm is or connect with farmers on Facebook or something. What if people don't necessarily know how to connect with people? How are we still supposed to practice this sort of um, regenerative farming or this seasonal cooking and stuff like that? Yeah, like I, like I said, you know, just search on Google what's in season today. Mm-hmm. what is in season in the summer in my side of the world and try and then and get that list and when you go to the grocery store you're like okay like right now asparagus and you know tomatoes are coming in and what what is in season and let me eat um you know when you're at the grocery store or a farmer's market if you're lucky to have one um you know buy the things that are on that list is it, it's it it gets pretty pretty easy once you have you know internet which majority of the people do have um you know for somebody i like i love this trick so if you are in a city and you don't have a garden um when you buy let's say celery lettuce um anything really what i like to do and i do this a lot in the winter here because obviously we have 90 acres and plenty of space to grow things um you put a a, a shallow pan mm-hmm. most likely glass is best um you fill up with a little bit of water and then after let's say the salary at the very end of the salary you cut the back of it just like you know a third of an inch just a little bit off and then you put that on the water and what happens is all the little micro the greens are going to start growing out of it and you can cut that off and use that in a salad oh interesting mhm and that's a good way to like kind of start um getting that desire to grow things and then maybe next year you're like okay i have a southern exposure window that gets a lot of sun um you get one or two little pots and you grow let's say you love salsa you grow one tomato plant and a cilantro plant and an onion and at the end of it you'll be able to make a couple of cans of um of salsa that you grew yourself and then you start kind of brewing that because it's a bug once you catch it it's really hard to let go um you know yeah. growing things and and eating uh things that you grew yourself yeah 100% and it's it it's it is as simple as sort of getting getting a seed from um some something like a tomato or something that you've you've had and planting that and then once you see the first one sprout then like you said it's it becomes a drug doesn't it <laughs> uh, another one that's really fun is um i like to use mung beans is are my favorite um so you get a, a mason jar mm-hmm. and you put the mung beans in there like about an inch inch and a half of mung beans uh you soak it in water for the first 24 hours okay. after that you put um like a, um a cheesecloth on top of it with the with the rubber band um and then you wash you leave it on a wind on a sunny window and you wash that off one two three times a day depending how many times you are at home wash that off empty the water completely window in about 4 to 6 days you're going to have mung bean sprouts and in most salads on sandwiches everywhere literally wow see i i i feel like another thing is people don't necessarily realize how easy it can be <laughs> yep. yeah, well, the propaganda the propaganda is out there you know to tell you yeah. that is difficult that is mm. that is hard to work with farmers that you can't find them that's more expensive it's mm. just part of the propaganda you know let's get ourselves out of that 
mentality and start going back to, to our roots because we have been doing this for thousands of years before yeah. there's a refrigerated truck before there was a supermarket we've been eating for a long time since yeah. we ever existed you know yeah definitely were you just out of curiosity were you um did you know anything about sort of regenerative farming and stuff like this when you were in brazil or did it literally just happen when you moved over to washington no so my grandmother is the one that actually taught me regenerative farming from the very beginning okay. um, she had yeah she had the most beautiful garden most beautiful um roses and um citrus and everything and this is something people can practice at home um so three things that you need that majority of the people have at home number one is coffee after mm -hmm. you brew your coffee what I do is I have a double brown bag, you know, two, one brown bag inside of the other under the sink after you brew the coffee, because before it's too acidic, after you brew the coffee, you dump that coffee into the brown bag because you want it to dry. And once it's all dry and nice, nice and dry, I put that on a mason jar and I sprinkle that on my plants about once every three weeks. And that is a pure nitrogen bomb. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is what, is what plants need to grow. now. The second one is uh, eggshells. So that one is really important. What I do is, you know, I crack, I have my own chickens, but, you know, you crack an egg and you put that eggshell back into the container. And yeah. by the time you finish that container, all those eggshells are going to be dry. So then I started putting them into a Ziploc bag. Once I have enough, I throw it in a blender and blend it to a fine powder. And I sprinkle that into my plants. What that is, is pure calcium. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is phosphorus, which they need a lot for when they're reproducing, which is making fruit or making flour. Um, I do banana peels. Every time my kids eat a banana, I grab the banana peels, roughly chop it, throw it in a jar. Once you have about an inch of banana peel, you do an inch of brown sugar. And you once you have about an inch of banana peel, then you do an inch of brown sugar and you layer mm -hmm. that over each other. Banana peel, brown sugar, banana peel, brown sugar. Okay. Cover with a paper towel or the cheesecloth with a rubber band and you let it sit um, for about three to five days. Sometimes when you live in a very cold place, seven to 10 days, and you let that ferment. You then strain and get that. And that juice you can use one to 30, for example, one cup of the juice, 30 cups of water, and you feed that to the plants. And that's what they need um, to make strong flowers or strong fruit. And between those three things, you kind of have the basic um, of, 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 you know, plant food that you're ever going to need. Yeah. And it's free. <laughs> and that that is so interesting because like you said those are three things that most households will have at home anyway and um so you're not spending extra money on i don't know fertilizer or whatever exactly. um, that's really interesting actually i might and i might not to mention and not to mention you know the plastic bottles that you have to buy that pass the, the, that stuff in you know mm, mm, exactly so it's actually a lot better for the environment in general isn't it 100%. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because my, um, yeah, like I said, I'm Punjabi and my mum's a keen gardener. And yeah, I don't, I, I, I think I've heard of the coffee thing, um, but the other two I've not heard of before. So that's, that's really interesting. I might give us some tips. You'll be surprised. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
what um is there any other tips that you might um you might give to anyone start sort of new to to learning about food and, and nutrition yeah i would like to t- always talk about um uh, you know everybody a lot of people are like you have to be vegan you have to be vegan you know mm-hmm. i am a car- carnivore I recommend to people that say, you know what? I can never be a vegan. I have to eat meat. Start thinking about just, let's say, breakfast without meat or Friday nights without meat on dinner, you know, a vegan dinner or even a vegetarian dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, try to cut the meat down a little bit. The, the more mm-hmm. you cut the meat down, the more, you know, because the meat sits on your stomach for a very long time. And if you eat meat three times a day, seven days a week, you probably have a big old base of really old meat that sits on your stomach. So mm-hmm. by by diminishing the amount of meat that you eat and, and adding more vegetables, um, that helps you in, in tremendously. And the second thing is, People say this all the time, eat with the rainbow. You know, when when you look in your plate and everything is brown or everything is green or everything is whatever color, you're not doing something right. When you're at the grocery store and you look at that produce section, say, hmm, what can I get that is red that I like that is in season? What can I get that's green, orange, yellow, purple? And once you're doing that, most likely you're getting an array of nutrition and vitamins that you that your body need at the moment. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you've just said. So myself, um, just for a bit of background, I'm a pescatarian. um, But it's only very recently that I've become a pescatarian. Um, Before that, um, I suppose it was about two two years ago, maybe. um, I I ate meat. But um, other than that, yeah, I was eating meat. And then I I did exactly what you said, Michelle. I, I, I started cutting down and sort of having not not having not calling it off altogether but started cutting down and making my plate my plate very colorful and even to this day I look at my I look at every meal and one thing I say firstly in every meal is where's my protein in this meal um the second thing I say is is my plate a rainbow so exactly what you said I 100% agree with that because a lot of the time people forget that you need to have a balanced diet and a balanced plate um so yeah I 100% agree with that and I think that's a really good tip for anyone sort of new to the journey of of trying to eat better so thank you for that of course do a normal girl ask um section where I ask this it's kind of like a quick fire round of this or that questions um now for you I've done um I've done food related questions of course (laughs) so I'm ready okay question one home cooked meal or eating out home cookie meal every time as a chef yeah i'm always disappointed (laughs) (laughs) question two fruit or veg i'm gonna go for veg yeah i'm a salty girl (laughs) yeah (laughs) question three tea or coffee tea without caffeine i feel like i produce caffeine on my own body as it is so i can't do caffeine at all ah okay so you don't drink coffee yeah, I'm the type of person that like drink chamomile tea when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that's my bedtime yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question four. I think I already know this from question two, but sweet or savory? Savory all the way. Yeah, yeah. And question five. I think this might be a difficult one for you. This isn't food related. Uh, Brazil or USA? <sighs> Brazil for the people, USA for everything else. Yeah. Okay. 
interesting mm-hmm. um when was the last time you were home you were back in brazil then uh 2019 just before the uh, COVID. it's yeah. crazy isn't it oh don't tell me family just got the vaccine there because they're obviously behind and so we can't wait to, to see each other yeah hopefully it's not too too um too far now have you yeah how- i need I need to, I need to always go. I say I like to go to back to Brazil to kind of um, recharge my batteries and remember who I am and and go back to to my beginnings and everything. So can't wait. Yeah, yeah take me with you, please. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> um. So yeah, thank you for that. Um. The final thing is, I know you've got a lot on at the moment, and I know you've got a lot of exciting things coming up. Um. Uh, so it'd be nice to talk about what you're up to at the moment and what you've got coming up and then we can just talk about sort of your Instagram handle and how people can reach out to you should they want to of course yeah so I am 10 days away from going to Africa I'm going to be in Nigeria Ghana and Kenya Um, I'm going to judge the final episode of Street Food Niger, which is presented by Food Bay TV, which is a healthy food and lifestyle network uh, based out of Lagos, Nigeria. And then I'm going to start filming my own television show there for the African television called Food Source, where I will be tracing food from plate to farm. Wow, that sounds Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm actually like just looking at my bag and being like, mm, mosquito repellent. What else? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. interesting, actually. And it's really good, be- really good location to be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. 100%. That's really interesting. And will it be available to view in the UK? Yeah, uh, through YouTube, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, Food Bay TV has, uh, you know, an account on all of the above um, and all the shows are available. Awesome. Cool. And what's your Instagram handle? Okay, so it's Michelle, Chef Michelle Fox. So Chef Michelle is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-E Fox, F-O-X. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. And it's been actually really informative. And um... yeah, may I say uh, what my podcast is? Because I also have a podcast too. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Uh, please. Yeah, your yeah. So www.craftfoodpodcast.com. And what is it you do on the podcast then? I interview people from around the world that are part of the food, the new food revolution. And we talk about um, our relationship with food um, and how to make it better. That sounds really interesting, actually. And I did actually listen to the podcast episode where I think you had one of your friends on there. Um, and oh, the very he, first one. Yeah, the very first one. And yeah, I my, really my, interesting, yeah, my sister-in-law, uh, my sister, I like to call her my sister-in-love. She um, interviewed me. <laughs> for the first one so that yeah was that was the one yeah 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 so it was sort of flipped around that was a really good good idea actually because we got to know a bit about you before jumping into the to the exactly. actual yep cool thank you so much cool. for your time michelle and best yeah, of luck of in africa as well of course anytime thank you thank you so much yes hope you enjoyed that everyone And hopefully Michelle has helped shed the light on how easy self-sourcing for nutritional food can be. 
I've left Miss Shelley's Instagram and podcast in the show notes. So please go over to Instagram and head over to Spotify to listen to her podcast. See you next week, guys.